Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everybody, how you doing? Happy end of October to you, wherever you may be. Hope you're staying safe. Hopefully everything's going well for you. If you're excited for Halloween, awesome. If you hate Halloween, I apologize. It's almost finished, though. We're almost into November, which means we are almost really, truly heading towards college basketball season. And man. Uh, In today's Big 12 preview, we are talking about a heavy hitter. This is a team that very likely could win the Big 12. This is a team that very likely could finish second. This is a team that honestly could win the national title. Whoops, let the cat out of the bag. It's a really good team. Also on today's episode, uh, we're going to do a requiem for a player's career who announced his retirement and kind of going to look back, sort of do a bit of a Look, the, the professional career was not much of anything, but the, the career at Kansas left an indelible mark on Jayhawk fans throughout the years. If you know who I'm talking about, if you saw the social media post, then more power to you. If you don't, we'll get right to that in just a moment. But yeah, we are two Tuesdays away from Kansas hitting the floor to take on Michigan State in the Champions Classic, which means that exhibition play is also right around the corner. should be happening very soon. And we did it. College basketball season is essentially finished. Or sorry, college basketball offseason is essentially finished, which means I can stop hemming and hawing, and we can talk about what's actually happening on the court, and we can actually talk about KU's rotations and who's playing well and what to look forward to with all of these teams. And everyone agrees this should be a really good Kansas team. It's not just me. I'm not just bloviating. I do have my concerns. I really do. And we'll get to them right before the season starts. I promise you. But all signs point to this being a a pretty good Kansas team. If players have taken those necessary steps in their careers, but I'm sort of letting the cat out of the bag. We're not even doing season preview yet. I got to talk about a Big 12 preview, and I got to talk about a player that I really grew up and by grew up, I mean, when I went to Kansas that I really enjoyed watching and made you want to bang your head against the wall. And well, first things first, this is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show on the Believe podcast network, your number one podcast network for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I believe. Well, actually, I know it's like 89 degrees where I am right now, which is not spooky fall season weather and does not feel right. And I hate it. I hate the hot weather in the fall. I hate Halloween. I'm a real, (laughs) I'm a real grump. Let's just put it that way. But that's okay. Because I want to do a retrospective and I want to celebrate someone. I mostly just want to reflect. Because one, I saw one of those ridiculous aggregator Kansas basketball fan sites, like fans of KU or something stupid like that. Going with the, who was your favorite Jayhawks player growing up? Who made you love the Jayhawks? 
And of course, I thought about it. And I guess I'll get to that in just a second, right after I talk about this player. But also just announced four days ago on his Twitter. If you want to find it, by all means, it's sort of like a mumbo jumbo poem to basketball, thanking the game of basketball. Excuse me. But on October 25th, former Kansas point guard Tyshawn Taylor announced his retirement from the game of basketball. So, of course, Tyshawn graduated KU in 2012. His last game was the national championship game against Anthony Davis and the Kentucky Wildcats in New Orleans, part of that magical 2012 team, along with Thomas Robinson. And he had a really interesting career, right? So the thing about Tyshawn is he and the Morris twins, and I'll throw Travis Relliford into this boat as well, hold somewhat of a special place in my Jayhawk heart. Because, look, I love the OA team. Don't get me wrong. Cool bunch of dudes, right? (laughs) But I got accepted to Kansas like around conference play of the 08 season. So I didn't really follow that that team all the way through. Like everyone's like, oh my God, Darnell Jackson. I would love Darnell Jackson, but he's one of everyone's favorites because they saw him grow and he was such a bust his first three years of his career and then really burst out onto the scene that senior year and was a huge part of a championship team. And of course, the picture of him lifting up the trophy is forever ingrained in Jayhawk fans' minds. But I joined in during Big 12 season. Don't get me wrong. I was a diehard fan, and I watched every single game, and I was fully invested, and they wore Jayhawk gear to school. And I was annoyingly already a huge Kansas fan, even though I'd just been accepted like a month earlier. But I didn't grow up with that team. And I hadn't really seen, like I'd obviously experienced the the tough losses for that group, but it didn't sting me. So coming in for the fall of 2008, one, man, Kansas football is really on the rise. They just won the Orange Bowl. Todd Reesing's still here. Not a football show, but we all know where that's going. <laughs> but as you surely remember, the 2018 split, right? Chalmers went to the NBA. Darrell Arthur went to the NBA. Darnell graduated. Russell Robinson graduated. Cole Aldrich stayed, as did Sharon Collins. Cole Aldrich Sharon Collins were essentially the holdovers. Those were the pivotal pieces of the next year's team that was appeared to be reloading, appeared to be rebuilding. Talented, sure, but it was this freshman class of Tyshawn Taylor, the Morris twins, Travis Relford, and I want to say Quintrell Thomas. Is that a name that sounds familiar? The power forward? I think he wore number 11. So that class and that group holds an indelible mark, using that word a lot right now, holds a sacred place in my Jayhawk fan heart. Really grew up as Jayhawks together. Seeing Tyshawn struggle basically for three years. Seeing the Morris twins come in as skinny poles, then come in their sophomore years as swole daddies and really taking teams to the woodshed. And, of course, they're the following year in 2011, the Morris Twins were amongst the two, two best players in the nation. Travis Rutherford's a little bit different. 
He started off as this high-flying, supposed to be this great scoring wing, transformed as a guy who had to redshirt elite defensively. Jump shot still never really there, but unbelievable defensively. But it's a different story because he wasn't a huge part. Well, that's not true. He was a big part of the 2012 team. He just doesn't get the accolades. But there's something about Tyshawn, right? Tyshawn got all of the headlines, if be it for his performance on the court. By the way, I looked at the records. Tyshawn Taylor, Big 12 leaders <laughs> since uh, I think, I don't know, basketball reference doesn't bother with keeping turnover records before 08 or whatever. But since 08, Tyshawn Taylor is first. Let's see, it was right here. I had it right at the tip of my tongue. Yes, Tyshawn Taylor is first in turnovers, career accumulated turnovers. And the numbers sort of backed it up. Average 9.7 points per game freshman year. Dipped to 7.2 his sophomore year. Back up to 9.3 his junior year. And you're like, all right, whatever with Tyshawn Taylor. But it was that senior year. And I don't think people realize how special he was for 2011-2012. slash 16.6 points per game. Almost five assists per game. The guy bumped up his three-point shooting ever so slightly. And it was his final four performance, I think, against Ohio State, where he truly shone, and it showed his growth as a player. Because you didn't trust him to shoot the basketball. But he was the fastest guy on the court. He had that length. And he made a difference against Aaron Kraft, against Jared Sullinger. In that final four game, he had he was hitting floaters. He was getting in the lane, making things happen against the game against Mizzou. The last game, the, the border war game where Robinson blocked the shot. Again, that's the moment that we think about. But it was Tyshawn Taylor, a guy who was a shaky free throw shooter, especially his senior year. Only shot 68%. And truly, it's .6888. But I'm not going to go to the actual number because you guys are sickos. But he was the one who stepped up and hit clutch free throws in that game against Missouri. Again, not a guy you necessarily trusted at the free throw line. But when it mattered most, Tyshawn stepped up and did it. Yes, off-court issues. Had his suspensions. A couple of games he wouldn't suit up. And you're like, what the heck happened? No, it's Tyshawn. I mean... Who knows? Now, making it sound like he's dead. He's not. He just retired from basketball. But Tyshawn Taylor holds a really big part of Kansas basketball history in his palms. That was the transition era. Bill Self won his title. AKU could have really fallen off the cliff right after that. Sharon needed to step up. Cole Aldrich really needed to step up. And that recruiting class needed to develop. We know what the Morris Twins did and have done. Travis Relaford turned into a really good glue guy. And then Tyshawn Taylor, and to a lesser extent, Elijah Johnson the next year coming in. Filled in the gaps. So he's a vital part of Bill Self's history. The numbers on Tyshawn Taylor, I mentioned the turnovers, but you want to know a guy that was important to Bill Self? Check the number of games. And since 1985-1986, in the Big 12, Tyshawn Taylor has played the most games in the Big 12. One more 
than Frank Mason, which is a true shame because that means Frank Mason, if they had made it past Oregon and got to the Final Four as he deserved that one year, would have tied Tyshawn for the most games played in Big 12. But Bill Self may have slammed his head against the wall over Tyshawn Taylor, but he kept putting him out there. Was it by necessity? Maybe. But if you really disliked him that much, you wouldn't have played him. And would you know it? He played the most games in the Big 12 since 1985. Sharon Collins, by the way, tied for sixth. And yes, if you're wondering, Captain Grandpa himself, Perry Ellis, tied for third with Javon Carter, who is also Captain Grandpa for West Virginia as well, and A.J. Abrams from Texas, the sharpshooter. Tyshawn Taylor's NBA and pro career was all over the place, quite literally. You want to, you should take a look at Tyshawn Taylor's passport. That's all I'm saying. 2012, selected with the 41st overall pick in the draft by the Portland Trailblazers, was immediately dealt to the Brooklyn Nets. Played a little bit with the Nets here and there, but that's not much. Had a bit of a D League at the time, still called the D League, not the G League career through 2014. And then the jet setting travels began. 2014, Atleticos de San Germán of Puerto Rico. <laughs> then he went to Russia later that year in 2014 with Dinamo Moscow. Scored almost 10 points for Dinamo. 2015, Indios de Mayaguez. Where are they located? That is. Puerto Rico, another Puerto Rican team. Guaros de Lara of Venezuela. Then he went to Maccabi uh, Kiryat Gat of the Israeli Premier League. He was waived by Maccabi, and he signed with Ankara, Ankara DSI, DSL of the Turkish Basketball League. Stayed in Turkey for 2018 with BSB Anakent. Also in 2018, went to Italy with Auxilium Torino, and the last team he played for, at least listed here on his Wikipedia, was the Saigon Heat of the ABL. My man played in Vietnam. That's a guy who wanted to play basketball. Let's just put it that way. Third team All-American, though, in college. First team All-Big 12 his senior year. All-Big 12 rookie team his freshman year. Again, Tyshawn Taylor is not dead, but he is retiring from playing basketball. And I think it's important that we put a little respect on his career and on that era of Kansas basketball. Yes, the last time we saw him, he and the Jayhawks were getting annihilated by Kentucky and Anthony Davis. All right, let me know your thoughts about Tyshawn. Let me know about your favorite Jayhawks of all time. A lot of you probably go way back to the Collison and Heinrich era, of course, Aaron Miles. And speaking of Aaron Miles, I did also want to pull up Tyshawn Taylor's numbers in Big 12 assists because Aaron Miles is number one on the list. By the way, Doug Gottlieb at Oklahoma State, number two TV personality. This is, again, since 85-86. Tyshawn Taylor, 10th overall in career assists. A lot of turnovers, yes, <laughs> but a lot of assists. Other names on this list, Frank Mason, got him there. One assist better than Tyshawn in ninth. Devontae Graham is seventh overall on this list. Kirk Heinrich is fifth. 
Aaron Miles, of course, number one. So that's Tyshawn. Um, if you had to ask me my favorite Jayhawks of all time, again, of course, this sort of goes back to <laughs> the 2008 season. So all of those guys. Uh, and by the way, let me know your thoughts, your favorite Jayhawks, your thoughts on Tyshawn. I know he was wildly frustrating. I had a lot of friends who were like, just get Tyshawn out of there. It's like, no, he's good. He's so fast. <laughs> but on Twitter, at JoeNasty90, on Instagram, at JonasN310. I really, again, I have to start with Marcus Garrett, right? And something about that team from a few years ago, uh, Dotson, Azabuki, Marcus Garrett, really loved those guys. Of course, Frank Mason, uh, Thomas Robinson, what he did in 2012. I felt like the way the community, I mean, Thomas Robinson was Jayhawk Nation's guy that year, right? We had followed him since he joined. He had so many family members pass away over the course of his time at Kansas, both grandparents, I think within the span of like a month, I think his mom passed away right in the middle of a season. Uh, T-Rob just went through a lot during his time at KU. And then the way he put the entire program on his back in 2012, because that team was, look, they were fine. I just, I just talked about Tyshawn and the numbers speak for themselves. Tyshawn Taylor was a great Robin to Thomas Robinson's Batman, but it all started right there. Thomas Robinson, then way down the list, it was Tyshawn Taylor and Jeff Withy had his moments as well. So T-Rob has a really special place in my Jayhawk heart. Same with Sharon, same with Cole Aldrich. I guess it sort of goes by era. And Ben McLemore, even for one season, I talked about him last week. That one season really caught my imagination. I, th- I thought it was a really special freshman season for Ben McLemore and one that I'll remember forever. I really will. 2013. A team I thought could have done better with him and Jeff Withy really manning the middle, but they got caught in a miraculous moment against Trey Burke in Michigan, right? The half-court heave. It is what it is. I'm not salty. So let me know your favorite Jayhawks. I'm sure a lot of people are going to go back to the Aaron Miles, Heinrich, Drew Gooden, Collison, Langford years, right? Uh, Jeff, what is it? Hawkins, right? <laughs> So let's get to our Big 12 preview, because, boy, do we have a doozy. Out goes Shaka Smart. In comes a man who finally does wear a beard. Chris Beard is in Austin, and the Texas Longhorns are looking pretty dangerous. Now, here's the thing about Texas. They bring back, yes, some very good players. This is a team that finished a half game behind Kansas. In the standings last year. So that means they came in third. And I remember they annihilated KU at Allen Fieldhouse last year. They lose a lot of production. Matt Coleman, finally gone. Greg Brown, after a pretty solid freshman season, he takes his jumping jack ways to the NBA, as does Jericho Sims. You want to talk about an athlete? Jericho Sims, what an athlete. Other names you might recognize are gone. Kamaka Hepa, all energy. Kai Jones provided 8.8 points per game for Texas last year. But the real story, of course, is Chris Beard bringing his tough-nosed defense from Texas Tech, and we'll see how it goes. 
now that he's at a bit more of a posh program, right? Like that kind of stuff works at Texas Tech. I think Chris Beard's an excellent coach, and I think it's going to be wildly successful. But you can't deny that it takes different coaching styles at different places. You have a different brand of player and a different brand of person playing for the Longhorns than you do down there in Lubbock. So we shall see. One coach who knows how to talk to and recruit and deal with high-level players, Jarence Howard, right? He jumped ship from Kansas. You know, now they got Jeremy Case stepping into that role as assistant coach. And Jarence Howard went right down the road, and he's in Austin right there with Chris Beard. Talk about a power move. Who returns for Texas? Only four players. Two starters and Andrew Jones. Great story. Young man who beat cancer. Was their leading scorer last year. 14.6 points per game. Great story. Courtney Ramey is now a senior. He's been around for a while. Jace Febris is back. He's also a senior. So there's experience. Febris has started a lot of games. He's not listed as a returning starter, though. But it's the new players. And where do we start? Who is new for Texas? The better question is, who's not new for Texas this year? Starting with the coaching staff. Chris Beard, Jaron Howard, everything. And on top of that, they bring in, I believe it's 11. 11 new players to the roster. Not all transfers, a couple of incoming freshmen. Highlighted by Jalen Tyson, a freshman guard forward, athlete, wing, what do you want to call it? But it is the transfers that I think have people all a flutter about Texas. You start with Marcus Carr, senior transfer out of Minnesota. You say, Minnesota? Who cares about Minnesota? Well, this guy's pretty dynamic, and once he hit the open market, this was immediately the guy that jumped to the top of top transfers to go get, along with Remy Martin. Remy committed before Marcus Carr hit the transfer market. So I talk about a lot over the, the course of these Big 12 previews. I'm like, yeah, this guy scored like 30 bajillion points, but is also the, the Sun Belt Conference. So welcome to the Big 12. Well, this is what Marcus Carr did in the tough and gritty Big 10. He scored 19 points per game and 4.9 assists last season. So, yeah, he's used to high-level competition. He's going to be tough. In comes Devin Askew. You recognize the name? Former freshman last year at Kentucky. Figured it wasn't for him, so he went to Texas. Started 20 games last year for Kentucky as their point guard. Still got six and a half points per game and basically three assists. So, I mean, you know how Kentucky is. They're like, only six points per game. You're not in the NBA yet? Get out of here. Then there's Timmy Allen. You're probably saying, who's that? Was a senior transfer from Utah. He's a Ute, former Ute. All he was was on the all-first team Pac-12 last year. He's a load. I saw him a few times. He's a load. 17 points per game, just about six and a half rebounds per game, and almost four assists per game. First team all Pac-12. They have a guy transferring from Vanderbilt who scored 15 points per game, and Dylan Disu, 15 and nine. That was Dylan Disu. 
So, yeah, that's just an assortment of the guys coming in. It's Timmy Allen. It's Devin Eskew. It's Avery Benson transferring in from Texas Tech. It's Christian Bishop transferring in from Creighton. Another guy who's a double-digit scorer. I think that's the guy from Lenexa, right? Christian Bishop? Give me a second here. There was a guy on Creighton last year when they played who was from the KC Lawrence, whatever area. Uh, Maybe it's not this guy. No, it's not this guy. But he's at Texas now. Think of the team from Creighton last year. Think of the team, the Creighton team that came in and almost beat KU at Allen Fieldhouse. One of their best players is now on Texas. Now, everyone's going to have the same question, and I say the same thing for everyone, right? Chemistry. That's a lot of alpha dogs coming in who are going to want to have their share of the ball. College basketball is only a 40-minute game, guys. There's only so many shots. And I got to imagine there's going to be a lot of deferral probably to Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey to start. But Marcus Carr, Devin Askew, Christian Bishop, Timmy Allen, Disu, Jalen Tyson coming in probably with dreams of being a one-and-done. They're going to have to figure it out. Chris Beard knew what he was doing, and he brought in all of these guys, but they're going to have to figure it out. The thing they have going for them, wow, do they have an easy start to their schedule. Holy Toledo. Except for one. They're going to have to figure out very quickly for their second game of the year. But the rest, even their start to the Big 12, they go, they, they host West Virginia, and then they go to Kansas State and to Oklahoma State. Actually, in fact, they play K-State twice within like their first six games of Big 12 play. Their tough game at the beginning of the year, mark this one down, this should be good, November 13th at Gonzaga. Now, I don't know if that's a – oh, that is at Gonzaga. Wow, they're actually going to the campus of the Zags in Spokane. How about that? So that'll be tough. They're going to learn a lot about themselves. I can see the press conference now. Chris, why would you schedule this type of game? Well, we're going to learn a lot about us. We're going to learn a lot about us tonight. Yes, we are. We're going to see what we're really made of. Don't even listen to the halftime interview. That, that's what it was. And if you were wondering when they play Kansas, yes, they come to the field house February 7th on ESPN. But sorry, that's I'm looking at Texas' schedule. So when it says versus Kansas, that means KU is going to Austin on the 7th. What I meant to say is March 5th, senior day. Allen Fieldhouse, Texas versus Kansas. And who knows what will be on the line at that point? Big 12, they know what they were doing on that one. Very last Big 12 game of the year. Very last regular season game. Seeding will surely be on the line, you know, ahead of Big 12 tournament play. Allen Fieldhouse, Naismith Court, March 5th. I already can't wait. Should be good. Texas, Kansas. It's a good rivalry. When Rick Barnes really had it going, those were some really fun games. 
you know, they've, they've kind of stank. You know, Shaka Smart's not that good of a coach, obviously. He's now at Marquette. But when Texas gets it going, that's a sleeping giant, obviously in football, but in basketball with those facilities, those athletes. I mean, come on. And now they have a coach that should get them going. He really should. I believe in Chris Spreard. You know, I'm not going to be rooting too hard. So enjoy it while you can. Because this is a future SEC opponent. Scumbags. All right, have a good Halloween. (laughs) What am I dressing up as? The scariest thing I can think of. The ghosts of 2008. It's been a while now, guys. It's been 10 plus years. And it haunts me every night. Haunts me every season, truly. The 2020 team. Kills me. The lost tournament. Oh, I see Farouk Manish, my nightmares. I see Shaka Smart then at VCU just laughing. <laughs> I have the upper hand on Bill Self forever, and now he's at Marquette. But that's that's the scariest thing to me, the ghosts of 2008. It's We've gotten to the point where it's a – can we officially call 2008 a long time ago? Like Kansas is back in a championship drought. I'm going to – you know what? I'm going to make a topic of that. KU is in a drought. Hey, when's the last time they even won the Big 12? Two seasons? Whew. That was a tough. All right, take care, everyone. Stay safe. I will speak with you next week. Boy, are we close. I might have to ramp up some of these Big 12 previews. I think I'm missing one. Two teams? Yeah, I think of two teams. So, I'll speak with you then. And as always, Rock Chalk. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.